Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. If you have your Bible, uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter of the Bible. It was written by the Apostle Paul. This guy was pretty intelligent. He was pretty much... Uh, one of the greatest thinkers of not just his era, but pretty much all eras. And he had a great revelatory knowledge of who God was, heaven, hell, life, meaning, purpose, eternity, prophetic things, angelic things. He was pretty much saying, uh, which we're going to read here, whether you're omnilingual, bilingual, trilingual, doesn't matter, quadlingual, this guy says that love is one of the greatest things that we can wrap our minds around. And uh, this, this series, if it's okay, I'm going to get a little bit, if I could go into this a little deeper today. I just actually found out this week, I just heard, I'm not sure if this is verified, I'll look into this more, but I heard this, that, that Orange County has the highest divorce rate, uh, uh, one of the highest in all of America. They say there's 70% divorce rates in Orange County, and today I want to talk to you about love, romance, uh, marriage, and there's no, again, there's no condemnation. My parents got divorced when I was seven. I grew up in a divorced household, so there's no shame, there's no guilt, and no way am I trying to do that today. But I do believe that there is a 100% success rate in marriage when both people build according to the designer's plans. And I, I, what I found in every divorce is there's usually at least one person that's like, you know what, I don't want to do it God's way. And in the marriage, it separates usually one, at least one person. And I've learned this, that a marriage is only as healthy as the sickest spouse. And that's why it's so important that collectively we make a decision that, you know what, we both want what God has for us. And again, if you're single, it's going to be noteworthy today still. I believe in taking notes. I believe that if you take notes, you marry better looking people. Hey, watch Christian television. Come on. You'll see. It works. But if you got your Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians today, chapter 13, I'm going to read this. It says in verse 1, we're going to read eight verses if you're new to church. I'm going to uh, tell a, a couple stories, I'll pray, and then I'm going to tie everything that I teach on today, talk about, into these eight verses. So please follow with me today. I believe God's going to do something powerful. It says, Paul writes, though I speak the tongues of men and angels, uh, but I don't have love, I've, becoming, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can even remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Pretty, pretty extreme statement here. He says, although I bestow all my goods, not just some generosity, but I live completely generous to the poor, and though I give my body sacrificially to be burned for humanity, basically, I have not love. If I don't have this, it profits me nothing. We always read this at weddings. Are you ready? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It says it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And verse 8 is where we'll close, it says love never fails. Love never fails. I want to talk to you about love today, is that all right? I think one of the greatest things this world needs is love. It goes on in this, in this chapter, and it says there's three things that last for eternity, a triune uh, existence, faith, hope, and love. It says, but the greatest of these three is love. 
And I believe the reason why the greatest of faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest because the answer, spoiler alert, is because God is love. And so love is the essence of who God is. And so we're going to talk this morning on designer love. Is that all right? And we're going to have, is it okay to have fun this morning? <clears throat> All right, we're going to have a good time. Lord, I just thank you for the privilege of being at Ocean's Church, first service. I love first service. I think that they're uh, more responsive. I feel like first service has even more faith. And I just thank you that there, Lord, this morning that you want to speak, God, to everyone that's in this room. So I pray that you'd use a nobody from nowhere to speak something to someone and that, God, we would all, because of today, this, this even reading these verses, that we would get closer to you than we've ever been. I pray whether we're atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, that you would meet us where we are, and I pray that you would lead us closer to where you are. We invite you, Lord Jesus, to have your way. Help us to have a fun time today together, a good time together, and continue to help, Lord, our Los Angeles Lakers. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, come on, Ocean Church, said amen. Amen, amen. It's so good to be here with you. I was, uh, I grew up, uh, I grew up in the armpit of California, if you didn't know this about me. I grew up in the Antelope Valley. Anybody know where the Antelope Valley is at? Palmdale, Lancaster, Edwards Air Force Base. It's a high desert, it's Mojave Desert. And we grew up, we grew up Poe. Uh, we couldn't afford the rest of that word. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, our welcome mat just said, well... And uh, we didn't have a lot growing up. I remember, uh, I remember growing up and, and, and just, I didn't know we didn't have a lot of money. My dad was a mailman. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And uh, my parents got divorced. My mom didn't even graduate high school. And so when my parents separated, we moved into the hood. I didn't know it was the hood. I just thought it was a normal neighborhood. But it was the hood. It was like, you can't afford to live in the projects in L.A. The government paid for you to move to where I lived in, in my neighborhood. And so we lived in a really rough area. I got jumped the first time in school in fourth grade. It's a true story. I was walking home from school. I got beat up by sixth graders in fourth grade. And uh, that was, I'll, I'll say that in second service. I got sympathy. That was good. Um, <laughs> but it was crazy. I remember growing up, we didn't have a lot. And I didn't really know the difference between, you know, generic things. I didn't know there was such thing as like, like I remember, I, anyone grateful for like the rich friend you had growing up? I didn't realize that cereal actually could come in boxes. Because the only cereal I ever knew growing up was in bags. I didn't know Dr. Pepper. I knew Dr. Thunder. I didn't know. I'm telling you that I just didn't grow up with all these name brand items. I didn't know Fruit Loops. I knew Fruit Spins. I didn't know Seven Up. I knew Bubble Up. I didn't. Ha- I'm serious. These are real. These are real brands. I didn't have Captain Crunch. I had Crisp Crunch. I didn't have Apple Jacks. I had Apple Orbits. Not Lucky Lucky Charms. It was Marshmallow Magics. I didn't know about Pop-Tarts. I knew about Sam's Club pastries. Are you following me? I didn't have this high society upbringing that I knew like, I didn't, I mean, I thought designers were like Steve Madden. I thought Aldo was a designer shoe. And some of you are like, it is a, just, just, we'll keep going. But I want you, I grew up, I'm like, man, I have no idea like what are good real brands and what are generic fake brands. And we just grew up, we didn't have a lot, man. I just remember growing up and, like, you went to my house to ring the doorbell, the toilet flush. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we just didn't have a lot of money. It was just crazy. And so we, we grew up in this, 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 this household that, uh, again, cereal was in boxes. We had all the Sam's Club and all of the uh, kind of generic brands. And I remember meeting my wife, and I moved to Idaho, and I was like a little skater kid from California. I was a pro snowboarder, kind of awesome at snowboarding. Humble about it. And uh, just, just joking, guys. But I remember I was just kind of skatered out, met my wife, and 
she's all into fashion and her family's into like fashion. They like designer clothes and brands. I'm like, dress for less. Come on. Love Ross and Marshalls. I'm like, dear God, this is awesome. And met my family. I'll never forget my, my brother-in-law who had great taste and had some nice clothes and he was super generous. Remember, I, I had a jacket that like, was like the Bible that had holes in it and it was holy. And uh, I remember going to his house one day and he's like, Mark, do you, do you like... Do you have like a nice jacket, like a kind of like a peacoat type of jacket? We live in Idaho, so it was freezing all the time. And he, I said, no, I don't. He said, I want you to have this. And I remember him giving me uh, a, like a peacoat, like a nice peacoat. It's like a designer peacoat. And I realized for the first time in my life, because I remember shopping with him in stores and seeing some of the clothes that he bought. And this is not a message on being superficial or materialistic, but just follow me. I'm going somewhere with this. Is I remember walking in, I'm like, man, these clothes are so expensive, and then one day he gave me a jacket and I put it on. I'm like, dear Lord, this thing fits. <laughs> like I could park like a small vehicle in my sleeves usually. And it like fit around my arms. It fit around my chest. The materials were superior. It, the fabric was softer. It was crazy. Like, like this, this jacket he gave me, it really got my attention because it was expensive, but it fit better. The materials were nicer. And you know what the crazy thing is? I still have, I, I could still have that jacket today. I gave it to one of the young guys I was mentoring in Idaho. He still wears it. This jacket is like 15, 16 years old. It's still in style because it's like it's a, a timeless peacoat. And this jacket is still holding up because this is what I've learned is that usually, not always, but usually designer clothes are different than generic clothes because they're made of better materials. They fit better. And listen to me, designers usually make things that last. Are you tracking me this morning? And I believe we live in a world that's really good at propagating generic love. And we're, a lot of people are byproducts of generic love relationships. Mom and dad got married, but it was a generic love. It wasn't a godly love. So this love did not last the, the test of time. I don't even bought a t-shirt from H&M. You wear it one time, and when you wash it, you throw it away. Forever 21 is like forever keep buying their clothes. Because as soon as you wash that thing, buttons are going home to be with the Lord. Zippers no longer work. It's crazy that generic clothes don't seem to last as long. Why is it? Because the materials are inferior. And they don't fit the, the right way. They don't, they don't sculpt to your body because they were made for all types of people instead of being tailored for certain types of builds. And I believe that God's love, unlike generic, come on, Sam's Club, grocery bag, cereal, is actually tailored to fit the human soul like a hand in the glove. That's what God's love does. And many of us, were just fractured because we go through one spin cycle in our relationship and all, all of our buttons fall off, our zippers fall apart, and we're filing for divorce, not because God's not good, but because we didn't get into a designer love relationship. We got into a generic, just overly stimulated, let's do what everybody else does in society, and let's get what everybody else gets. I want to be honest with you that when you do things God's way, there is a price to be paid. It's designer. God is the greatest designer ever, 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 uh, ever. He is the greatest designer. And I want you to know that he's more expensive than Louis Vuitton. Versace has nothing on the plans and the designs of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know this really clearly. I want you to hear it really loud and clear. That God's designs are free, but they are not cheap. 
Because God's design, actually it's free to us of charge, but it actually cost him the life of his son. And God paid a high price so that we could experience the free, God-given designs of the grace that comes from heaven. And it's kind of a simple thought here, but I really felt like God was telling me, he's like, Mark, tell people in, in this region where 70% of people that get divorced out of everyone that gets married, the second statistic jumps way up. You've been divorced once, the chance of being divorced twice goes up like 89%. Third marriage is in the 90s, 90%. Percents. Percents. That's awesome. It's crazy because we live in a world that doesn't know what good relationships look like. We've just seen grocery bag cereal relationships. This tastes, this tastes generic. It doesn't taste quite the same way. And I really do believe that God this morning, we'd all be honest, I think everyone in this room, whether you've, you've been in one or you've seen one, we've all seen a good relationship. And most of us have seen bad relationships or vice versa. Everyone's seen a bad relationship. Some people have seen healthy, good relationships. What does it mean when someone says, I have a good marriage or I have a good relationship? What that means is your needs are being met or exceeded. And when you say I have a bad marriage, what you're saying is, is that my needs, my internal expectations are being, they're inferior than what my experience is. It's not living up to my expectations of what marriage should be, what relationships should be. And I actually believe that God designed marriage so that we'd actually both be satisfied Husbands and wives, males and females. And I really do believe that in our era that we live in, we have so many people that would describe their relationship or their marriage. I don't know if it's good or if it's bad, but I don't know if I could say it's great. And I love because the Apostle Paul says, you know what great love does? There's a difference between generic, off-name brand love, and there's a difference between God's designer love. And I'll, I'll, I'll rattle this off quickly to you. Generic love that the world propagates is found in the first eight attributes of this chapter. It really is defined as a love that is, number one, uh, it's, it's an envious. Generic love is envious. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship that they're just perpetually jealous all the time. Envy, and man, I wish, I wish, and I'll be honest, husbands and wives, watch your words with your spouse or with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance. What you never want to do is compare them to somebody else. Remember a guy in Idaho we knew, he actually said this to his, his wife one day. He said, man, I wish you would dress more like her. I like the way she does her makeup. And what I've learned is, is that when you actually compare other people to your spouse, what happens is you actually root and seed insecurity in your wife. Now hear me clearly. You can write this down. What I've learned is the default, the default mindset of women is insecurity, and the default mindset of men is insensitivity. That both of us have to aspire in these two areas because women can be actually damaged very easily verbally and, and men can actually do the damaging because we're very insensitive and we just say the first thing that comes to our mind. And so I really felt like God wanted you to know this morning that generic love is envious, it's discontent, and it's always covetous of somebody else's relationship. I think we got to be careful with even like social media, trying to compare ourselves with the Joneses with the Smiths. I think it's important that we actually were content with what God has given us. It goes on, it says that, that, that love does not, doesn't boast, it doesn't, doesn't brag. I think that one of the things that society tells us is that we need to be very arrogant about the love that we have. And I wanna be honest with you today, everyone in this room is exceptional, but no one is the exception to the rule. 
I can't tell you how many people I've seen shipwreck their marriages because they think that their love is more exceptional than everybody else's. They're like, man, the notebook has nothing on our love. And I know that everybody else that does these things before they get married or everybody else that flirts with people when they are married and everybody else that does kind of sketchy, dodgy, maybe morally a little bit off things when they're married, I know it burns everybody else's life down, but we're the exception. I want you to know that you're exceptional, but you are not the exception to the rule. And fire outside of the fireplace will burn your house down regardless of who you are. Fire is no respecter of people, platforms, or personalities. And I believe this, that we don't want to live in a braggadocious, boastful type of love because that's generic. Arrogant love, he says, does not behave rudely. It's not, it's not arrogant or proud. It's not selfish. I think the number one killer of marriages in America today is that you have two profoundly selfish people pointing the finger at their spouse saying, why can't you, why can't you, why can't you? And what I've learned very simply is this, is great relationships are built on a mutual selflessness. That if I would give myself to fulfilling your dreams and your needs, and in your heart you were committed to fulfilling my, my needs and my dreams, there is a mutual fulfillment that takes curse when both people are not selfish. Selfishness is, is generic. It's cereal bag love. It says it's not easily angered. I think this is really good for men. Because our proclivity is we just get upset really quick. I think God, that's why James says, be slow to speak and slow to wrath. Be quick to listen. It says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know what I've learned is, is that a lot of times it's the little birds that kill relationships. It says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Isn't it crazy that when you get married, you're, con- you're, you're focused on the 80% of that person that you're crazy about. 90% of that person, I am literally in love with 90% of this human being. And you get married and you start seeing the 10%. You're like, Rochelle, stop squeezing and choking the toothpaste. How many of there's a right way to get toothpaste out of the container? My wife, literally, she is a strangler of toothpaste. I'm like, I have to like put the lid back on, I have to squeeze it from the bottle and, and restore balance to the force. My wife, she puts on, I'm just being honest, I have my own corks too, but she'll put the toilet paper roll on backwards. And if you don't know there's a right way and a wrong way, I'm talking to you right now. How many of there's a right way to put toilet paper rolls on? It's supposed to waterfall. And you know what I've read? I've read psychologists. I've read a lot of really intellectual and smart people. And what they say is, is that people fall in love with 90% of their spouse, but the 10% that drives them crazy, eventually, they focus on the 10% more than they focus on the 90%. And inevitably, in affairs and in divorces, what happens is, is they leave the person because of the 10%, and they'll find the second spouse that has that 10% that their first spouse was missing. And after a couple of years, what they discover is, is that though their second spouse is not missing the 10% their first spouse was missing, they actually have a 10% as well. What I've learned is all of us have at least 10% of our lives under construction. Always. And I love this because he says this love is not easily angered. It says it does not believe the worst. I want to encourage you today that generic love that society propagates is that we have to perpetually not trust our spouse. We have to live suspicious all the time. He must not be doing something right. She must be talking to somebody at work. They must not be being faithful to me. They they must not be trustworthy. And we live in a society that really, we live suspicious, 
and we're always on edge that one day because our parents got divorced or one day because our friend that we are friends with cheated on his girlfriend or cheated on her boyfriend, cheated on their husband, that my spouse is going to hurt me too. I'm telling you right now that generic love lives suspicious of their spouse. But there is a love that comes from God. It is a God-given patent. It's a designer love that he actually lays out. There's eight virtues of this, this designer love. You can write these down. Is he starts off by saying love is first and foremost, it's kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. And I believe that the two characteristics of patience and kindness, Rochelle and I, and I'll share this with you for free today, but what we've established in our relationship, I call it blue skies. And the idea is, is that when there is an issue in your marriage that needs to be resolved, you have to wait for the right situation to address the problem. Because inevitably, your first year of marriage, all of you older married people know this, you get in so many arguments because you wait until 11 or 12 at night when you're both exhausted, you both had the longest day of your life, and you both have to wake up at 6 a.m. the next morning to do it all over again, and your spouse inevitably goes, you know what, I'm really upset at you because of blank. You know what I've learned is, is ships don't deal with problems on deck in the middle of a storm. Great sailors deal with problems on the deck when the skies are blue and the oceans are calm. And if I could give you some really good advice this morning, this is free. This isn't even gospel. This is just good advice. Is that love, it says, is patient and love is kind. I think if you want to actually safeguard your marriage, do yourself a favor if you're both exhausted or you don't have proper time to deal with the issue, and you're both irritated or frustrated, just say, you know what, I'm really mad at you. Just look at your spouse and say, babe, this is not a blue skies opportunity. Let me get through my deadline at work tomorrow. Let me take you out on a date tomorrow night. Let's have a good time. Let's come home. And while we have energy and attention spans, let's deal with this issue. Are you following me? Because designer love is patient and it's kind. It goes on, it says that designer love isn't just patient and kind. It says that it actually, it's honest. It's honest. It's patient, it's kind, it's honest. I want to encourage you today that, that real love doesn't harbor secrets. And I want to, if I could free someone up today, I'm just telling you right now, if you're married, your spouse should have every password to every device in your house. There's no secrets in our, in our marriage. Rochelle has full access to everything. Are you hearing me today? Like that's I, I don't do that. That's weird. It's, that's probably why you have problems right now. Are you hearing me? It's like, well, I don't want her to have access. I want to have my own life. And they have their own life. That's the problem. Marriage is about becoming one. And so anything I'm a part of, you're a part of. Anything you're a part of, I'm a part of. We are in this thing heart and soul together. And we have a policy. You can write this down. I believe that great designer marriages are built on two things. A hundred percent honesty all the time but simultaneously in agreement that there's 100% forgiveness. And most people stop being honest when they stop being forgiven. Are you tracking with me today? And so what I've learned is this, you make an arrangement with your wife. My wife and I, part of our journey was, is I was struggling with, man, just issues that I had from my childhood, and I tried to protect her from my dysfunction because it wasn't her fault. But what I've learned is you can write this down. This is worth the cost of admission today, which is free, by the way. Is I've learned that great marriages and great relationships always struggle together. Do not struggle by yourself. You always have to bring your spouse or your partner in the battle with you. Because I'm telling you right now, most of the grace you need to live free is found in being honest with your spouse. 
But we try to go, I'll, I'll hurt her if I tell her. I'll hurt him if I tell him. Listen to me. If you both agree that we will both forgive. That's why it goes on to say love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not a tax keeper. It's not, love does not work for the IRS. Love does not audit you when you make a mistake. Remember 16 years ago when you were an idiot? Remember I've hated you for 16 years? Love does not keep a, are you hearing me today? And you're like, well, how can I forgive him? Because God forgave you. Are you hearing me today? And we realize, look, I don't care what, what level of sin it is, we've all disappointed our spouse. And that's why we have to make an agreement. Whether you struggle with what I struggle with or you don't, we have an agreement. Whether you spend too much money or whether, you, whether you're, you're anxious, you're, you're, you're worrisome or fearful or lustful or, or carnal or greedy or material, whatever it is you're, you're dealing with, you make an arrangement, you know what, there's 10% of all of us, are you hearing me, that is under construction. So we have an arrangement, Rochelle and I, is that when she asks me a question or I ask her a question, there is 100% honesty. Because we know even if I get upset temporarily, ah, oh, that hurts. You know what? I love you. I'm for you, heart and soul. And we're in this together. Are you with me today? It says love keeps no record of wrongs. It says that it, it's, it celebrates honesty. It's truthful. It says that love covers, it covers all things. It says it bears all things. The word bear literally means to cover. It actually goes on to say that love, uh, it, says, it says love covers a multitude of sins. It's in the Bible. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know what the problem with most marriages is we expose things that should be covered and we cover things that should be exposed. Write this down. Always praise publicly and correct privately. If you do it backwards, you'll damage your marriage. Don't go to your girlfriends and tell them what's wrong with your husband or your wife or husband or your, your boyfriend. Don't do that. In a great relationship, you cover your spouse's flaws. My, my parents, to this day, they think my wife walks on water. Does she have a couple imperfections? No. Well, maybe one or two. But my wife, I'm pretty sure she's in the lineage of Gabriel and Michael. Are you following me? There's angelic qualities to Rochelle. But listen, the, the qualities that are not angelic, my parents don't know about. You know why? Because love covers. Well, when my, my, my boyfriend and I have a fight, my husband and I have a fight, I talk to my parents. Don't do that. Let me give you a really good reason why not to do that. Because when your parents know about the weaknesses of your spouse, eventually the devil will whisper in your spouse's ear that the only way to get out of this problematic situation is to start over with a new family. So when you have an issue, not if, when you have an issue, you, that's why pastors, that's why small group leaders, that's why neutral parties that love, I love Dylan, but I love Sarah. I love you both. I have nothing to attach to you guys other than I love you both. When you love both, when you have a mutual person that's not related to me or you, it's not Joel, it's not Melanie, I love both of you. And when you need an ear to lend to you, I'm not telling my best friend that loves me. I'm not telling my, are you hearing me, my, my mom that's all about me. And I'll prove it to you. You ever been in it when you're younger and your best friend comes to you in fifth grade and says, my boyfriend, he, he, he was mean to me yesterday. He said this to me and now I broke up with him. He is the devil. He is Lucifer himself. And you're like, that's right. He is Satan. The next day what happens? They get back together. Guess who still hates Lucifer? Love, come on, covers. And when things need to be exposed, you have to find the right people that are trustworthy to get counsel from. Are you with me? Can I get a good amen? That's good teaching this morning. 
I love this. And it goes on, it says that it not only bears all things, covers all things, it says it, it, it believes all things. Let's say this way, designer love is trustworthy. Trustworthy. And I'm telling you, you want, the Bible says in Proverbs 31 that her heart, it, it safely trusts in her husband. I think one of the greatest things you can give your spouse is a, tr- is a, is a, uh, is a trust that my, my husband or my wife is for me, heart and soul, and when they're struggling, they come to me before they go over the cliff. What I believe is that all of us have a cliff. Can we be honest today? And what we do is we decide how far away from the ledge we live our lives. If this ledge represented moral failure, you breaking your, your spouse's heart, I'm telling you that all of us, the Bible says all sin is, is, is susceptible to humanity. All of us are privy to the same temptations. So all of us could fall. But we decide in our convictions with God and with the Holy Spirit, how far do I want to live my life from that ledge? Generic serial love, you know what they say? Well, you can look, just don't touch. Work up your appetite wherever you want. Just make sure you eat at home. And I'm telling you right now that when you live like this, eventually you give in because, listen to me, fire doesn't care who you are. It'll burn your life down. So what I decide is I go, look, I know that there's a cliff right there, but I'm going to live, I'm going to put signs here, do not go any further, sign here, do not go any further, sign here, if you get to this point, tell your wife, get here, tell your best friend, your accountability partner, and what I've learned is if I can put safeguards in my life, I won't have to worry about action level falling over the ledge because I'm always fighting it. Listen to me, write this down, you will always fight temptation where you say no. That is a powerful thought. Because you're like, no, I'm not going to a strip bar. Then that's where you're going to be tempted. I'm not going to look at something online. That's where you're going to be tempted. I'm not going to hire a prostitute. That's, are you following me? Where? So when you say, I'm going to fight it way back there, that's where the devil starts tempting you. And most people are like, why do I fall into these nasty lifestyles and actions and perversions? It's because you're trying to get as close to the edge as you can without falling over. And I can prove it to you because we say things like this. Well, how far can I go with my boyfriend before God gets mad? How much sin is like, how, how much can I flirt with someone that's not my spouse before God's like a little bit upset about it? What you're saying, it's, it's the wrong, it's like looking at your wife on the altar and being like, hey babe, um, we're getting married today, but how much can I like be friendly and a little bit flirtatious with other girls until you're a little bit offended with me? You would never say that to your spouse, but we do it with God all the time, like God, how close to the edge can I live until I fall over the edge? I'm sorry, it's a little bit strong this morning. I better just back off a little bit. It's first service, bro. Settle down. I'm telling you that we live in an era that we don't have trustworthy relationships, and we certainly don't have designer relationships that are hope-filled. You know what God wants you to have in your marriage? Hope. What's hope? You know what? The best days of our marriage are still in front of us. The honeymoon might be over, but guess what? My love isn't. My passion for my spouse is not over. And we're not going to be an old, cranky, greedy couple. We're going to be an old, generous, loving. We're going to be the old 80-year-olds holding the hands in a Cracker Barrel. Come on. I have hope that Rochelle and I's best days are in front of us. And I think you got to have hope because that's God's design for us is that we have hope. And we have hope because, five, it says that love actually endures all things, which means this, it is persevering. I don't have a plan B. Rochelle doesn't have a plan B. And I'm almost finished this morning, but I want to tell you today, and I'm going to kind of wrap this up, is that God's desire for you and for me is, is that we don't even talk about plan Bs. 
You know why people get divorced? Because they make it an option. And they get in an argument and they say, well, if you don't change, I'm divorcing you. You know what we've done in our marriage? We have safeguarded our marriage by never even throwing around the D word. That is a nuclear bomb in the Francie household. Rochelle hasn't heard it come out of my lips ever. 13 years, 14 years. I've never, in the, in the craziest argument, when I grab a ornament off the tree and I throw it up on the roof, <sighs> dear God, I'm gonna lose my mind. She's never heard me say, I'm, I want a divorce. My kids have never heard dad or mom threaten each other. I want to get a divorce. That is not an option in our family. That is a nuclear weapon. And you know what I've learned about great, great, uh, there's a global peace summit, UN, United Nations, is what they do is they make laws before wars of how we fight when we do go to war. And I think that's what great premarital counseling should do. And if you're married, even getting marriage counseling, is it actually gives you a foundation that when we argue, it's going to happen sometimes. Actually, I don't argue with Rochelle. I just tell her why she's wrong. But when you argue, not if, there's rules of of, of, of diplomacy. We're not going to use mustard gas. We're not going to use these these diabolical warfare weapons. And I'm telling you right now that your words, when it pertains to, if you don't change, I'm going to divorce you. I do not use that word because, listen to me, when I know that me and my wife are in this, we're going to persevere through anything difficulties, tragedies. It says love endures all things. It bears all things. It hopes all things. It believes all things. It says love never fails. And I'm telling you today, if you will say, you know what? I want, I want a love that isn't generic cereal box, Dr. Thunder love from Sam's Club. I want a love that actually holds the image of the God that made me. I don't want to do things my way. I want to do things God's way. That's old fact. You want a marriage that doesn't last one spin cycle of a tragedy? You want a marriage that can be safeguarded through one spin cycle of, of disappointment? We lose our job, we, we, we have a miscarriage, we have, we have something tragic happen to our family, and one spin cycle of life and our generic love is destroyed because it was built on sand. Why do 70% of people in Orange County get divorced? Because they're building their relationships on sand. And designer love says, God, your plans, they might be a little bit more different. Some would call them dated. Well, you're telling me that you believe in like honoring the marriage bed? You're telling me that you guard your eyes? You don't look at everything that comes before your eyes? You're telling me that you have standards and convictions? You're telling me that I can't window shop with girls? Yeah, exactly. You write this down. This is free. Women get stimulated through their ears what they hear, romance. Men get stimulated with their eyes what they see. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to guard your relationship, you guard what your wife is hearing from your lips. That's why it says to nourish and to, it says, uh, it talks about love and it says that love nourishes. And uh, there's a second phrase here I wrote down. It's It's worth reading cherishes. These are both agricultural words. Do you know that? They're agricultural words. To nourish means to bring to full maturity, and to cherish means to protect that which is in the process of maturing. Do you know that your spouse will rise to the level of your honor? I'm telling you, I wasn't always this way. I was an insecure, broken little young guy from, from Southern California, who saw broken marriage, broken relationship. I didn't have high self-esteem. 
But when I married a woman that saw what I could be and spoke it over me, I'm telling you that, man, you will rise to the honor that your wife gives you. And wives will become with the nourishment of the men's words that are spoken over their wife. I might talk about this next week because I feel like I didn't get through much of my notes today. But I'll tell you what the greatest needs of men and women are. I may I'll do that next week. Is that all right? Because I didn't, I didn't do a good job getting through this. Would you stand your feet with me? I'm going to pray. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.